0: This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, BC hit a new record at the pumps and gas prices are still expected to go up. Energy pricing expert and former Liberal MP Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, tells us why prices keep going up, forecasting the prices, plus the war in Ukraine impacting the global energy market. Ryan O'Donnell, millennial on the radio, celebrates the return of Doctor Who Did you watch it? And the most sustainable flight to Canada. This is cool. Sustainability on a flight without just major changes, just being smarter. I like that. Plus, are you okay with thrifting? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with... You you can contribute to this too, eh? (laughs) Apparently, that's just the way it's going to be today. It's "Are you okay in Canada? Are you okay with Lethal Weapon?"
1: Oh, like bud, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That well, that's why I wrote it. Uh, yeah, Lethal Weapon uh, is. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but when I was a kid, and you know, my parents started letting me watch the '80s, '90s action movies, it was one of the first ones I was ever allowed to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it. Think it has stuck with me because of it had that honor, uh, and yeah, I like I I remember liking two the best, and I honestly don't remember the other ones. So I think I'm in need of a binge. And just dis- snowing in Calgary, so I can just do that tomorrow.
0: Right, it's like Christmas, like the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. only really remember the first one, to be honest with you. Uh, BK, have you seen all of them in order and memorized uh, like Ryan? Uh,
2: no, I don't. No, definitely not memorized. I've seen all of them, but. Again, like you, I was just getting old. I don't really remember much about them. Like, <laughs> I can I, remember various scenes in my mind, like various lines. just like like frames even, and not even scenes. Yeah. Like little snapshots? Little snapshots. I, I, first of all, you just said, I'm
0: like you, and I'm getting old, and I barely remember these things. Yeah. No, that's...
2: That feels sharp. Ooh. Well, it's true. <laughs> I mean, if I'm getting old, you're... You're out of here!
0: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's an absolute yeah, oh, like game show. Well, unfortunately, he's uh, he's uh, it's probably right. With that one, okay. I like Lethal Weapon. I'm okay with Lethal Weapon, In the classic '80s action series starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, is known for its characters. Yippee ki yay! Mother front door. Um. Oh wow! Another one hit liners. the button.
3: <laughs> <laughs> panic! <laughs> the panic button. <laughs>
4: Diplomatic
1: immunity. It's just been revoked. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one-liner of all time, too. Diplomatic immunity.
0: Well, a man arrested for trafficking cocaine tried to also claim diplomatic immunity this week. But the story does not end with a one-liner or a gun, for that matter.
3: The premier and port director of the British Virgin Islands were arrested in Miami in a cocaine smuggling scheme. This is Olinvine Maynard. He and Alturo Fahey were arrested on drug trafficking and money laundering charges after meeting at Opa-locka Airport with an undercover agent posing as a Mexican cartel member. They were promised an initial payoff of $700,000 for helping smuggle cocaine into the U.S.
0: Okay, that was confusing. That was from CBS Miami. Andrew Fahey Mm -hmm. uh, has said he cannot be tried for his alleged crimes because he is an elected constitutional head of government with the British Overseas Territory. Fahey is already facing allegations of widespread widespread corruption. (laughs) Wow, where there's smoke, there's fire on this one. According mm-hmm. to Sky News, Governor John Rankin, who is the Queen's representative to the islands, said the legal action had prompted him to release the findings of an inquiry into widespread government fraud earlier than intended. If London accepts the report findings, Rankin, a career British diplomat, would take over the day-to-day running of the British Virgin Islands. So there's some agenda stuff at play here. Wow. And, uh, and someone who's in trouble for the, for the cocaine. A lot of cocaine too, like a lot yeah. of cocaine. I don't know yeah. how much. I'm, I don't know how much that is. Like, if, like looking at it, I no, I would have no concept. Never really been a drug smuggler. Brennan's done most jobs. You uh, yeah, probably done that. no, but uh, I just, <laughs> I
2: was thinking, like, only seven hundred thousand they were going to give him for smuggling that. It doesn't seem like that's a lot these days. I know. You think if you're yeah. going to put your risk mm-hmm. going to
0: jail, you would ask for you know, yeah, seven hundred, like eight hundred thousand at least.
2: Well, 700000 is only going to, like, here in Vancouver. That's about a month worth of... That's rent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a down payment on a one-bedroom downtown. Oh, goodness. Or, two tanks of gas. Are you okay with... thrifting? Sorry, I was being oh, yeah. efficient with... thrifting my words there.
1: Oh, yeah, I love thrifting. It's uh, it's gotten almost I would say competitive. People know that you can find really awesome stuff there that's worth money, so people will show up at Goodwill, uh, Value Village, and all that early, early, and go in and grab all the good stuff and uh, resell it, which is unfortunate for people who need the cheap clothing. Um, but for me, I you know some of my favorite things I own I've found that are old and cost less than most new things and uh it's cool i think that people made more exciting and colorful fashion in decades mm. of old and it's fun to wear that now
3: yeah I, like I am
1: i'm not
0: okay with thrifting oh and uh here's here's the here's the reason why ryan what size do you wear is that a personal question
1: uh well no, right uh i would say i'm a i'm a medium but with vintage clothing i can sometimes fit in an, an xl
0: your medium clothing sometimes you can fit into an
2: XL. Okay,
1: uh, BK.
0: Do you do you love thrifting?
2: Um, no, actually, I'm probably going to side with you here. I don't like thrifting, and to be honest, this town has turned me off thrifting because this town is all about like boutique thrifting places, mm. uh, especially over in the hipster area where I actually live close to in East Van. Cheaper rent over there. Um, but the thing is there's all these hipster thrifty places where you go in and it's like fake thrift stuff that I think is is new and it's super expensive. It's not thrifting. It's wannabe thrifting. Mm -hmm. This town is a bunch of wannabe thrifters.
0: My biggest problem with thrifting is sizes. Uh, I am not a small person and uh, I'm about six feet tall and 230 pounds. And so for me, I I really struggle with getting something that's going to fit. So, mm-hmm. thrifting for me um, is really um, it's really difficult. So, it's like a waste of time. Like if I wanted to go find mediums all day, go find mediums. But in my world, man, I can't find I can't find anything like that.
1: You're not alone in that. I actually tried me and my roommate. He he wears large, and we tried to go get like an '80s outfit for a party we were going to. Baron. It's, there's just nothing, and if it's there, it's it's really eh, stuff because people go and buy the large because they know how uh, desired that size is. and they can resell it because everybody likes to wear oversized clothing now. It's it yeah the mm. uh, the odds are stacked against you unless you know what you're doing in you the in the market. It's crazy.
2: The, the answer really to the, this problem. So, What's that? Black t-shirts. Naked. No black black t-shirt. t-shirts. They're really? timeless. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are.
0: Brandon Kelly loves black t shirts, by the way. That's a he's like the Mark Zuckerberg of black t shirts. Mark Zuckerberg wears grey t shirts.
2: Yeah.
1: Just gray T shirts and uh um,
0: fake skin. Yeah, that's lizard. the hard part, right? I, I really have a hard time with, with thrifting just because of the fact that good luck. Right? I, I also wear like a size ten, ten and a half shoe. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, and and extra large is just hard to find and I think extra larges are even bigger today than they were before. So Way bigger. Um, people, uh someone who's a medium or a large can wear an XL, buy it and wear it. Someone who is an XL that buys a medium um is probably going to get arrested at some point. So when you go thrifting, uh, you are bound to find a shirt with a stain on it or a pair of pants with some holes in it. Or you can be like my teenage children and just try to spend. Ask your dad if you can have $200 to buy jeans with holes in them already. Brand new. <laughs> there can be a diamond in the very, very rough at the thrift store sometimes. A Texas woman might have found the biggest gem of them all, a 2,000-year-old Roman bust. And uh, we're talking about like a, a face and the head and not the... Uh, Okay. Yeah. 2018, the bust was bought at a Goodwill store in Austin, Texas. The buyer, Lori Young, was shopping for objects to resell and had no clue she picked up an artifact dating back to the very first century or uh, BC or AD. She paid 35 bucks for it. Um, how the heck? What the hell? Did it end up in Texas at a Goodwill?
3: This bus origin traces its way back to Germany, where it was located in a museum bombed by Allied soldiers during World War II. And some theories suggest that might explain its presence here in Texas. A Schaffenburg, which is the, the German city where the museum was located, where this head was displayed, was a strategically important city during World War II for the Germans. Um, and as a result, it was bombed a lot by allied bombers so there was definitely a lot of american presence and so it seems likely that um
1: however they they got hold of it that some american who was stationed there probably um got it and brought it back home with them to texas somehow i don't know if it fits in a duffel bag
0: (laughs) hey uh where's the evidence that grandpa was a thief oh Mm. i donated it to the goodwill Uh, So here's the big question. How much money did Laura Young sell the artifact for, question mark?
3: Because of international art law and the fact that this was likely stolen from Germany, it's illegal actually to put this item up for sale. Instead, Laura worked with professors from UT's Classics Department and the San Antonio Museum of Art to find the bust a new home. And I'm glad other people get to see him. He's been hidden away since World War II, you know? He survived a bombing. He survived the fall of Rome. He deserves to be seen.
0: Wow, well, even more drastic than that. He survived goodwill. Uh, from That's from KXAN. The work of art will be on display at the museum in Texas until May 2023. Then it'll be returned to its rightful home, the Bavarian Administration of State-Owned Palaces
1: in Deutschland. I think it's cool that it gets to go back to Germany, though. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. this. I wonder how Mm. much it would go for. Just out of like, I know that there's like a a bust, like an Egyptian uh, statue that's, I'd say, probably a bit of a similar size. I think it's a statue of Iris or no, Isis. And it was $6 million. $6 million. But that's ancient Egypt too. So uh, much older, but still, I love like, just can you imagine that? Like the picture she put up on social media is literally the bust in her car Mm. with a seatbelt around it holding it in place. And it it went from ancient rome to a parking lot in texas let that's, that's just that's amazing to me that's
0: so cool that is cool are you okay with
1: being adventurous that's nice well, i need to push myself to do it more i like staying in doing nothing but i got invited by three different people to do karaoke last night and i said no to all of them and i really?
0: yeah that's adventure
1: I know wow. Karaoke's adventurous Wild mm-hmm. I know right I'm just a wild guy
2: uh, Yeah I mean I like I, I like adventure I like uh, Just taking off In my Volvo Even though it's A Volkswagen chain I always calls it a Volvo uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Discovering new places
0: Love it Do you seek out adventures Or do you avoid them Perhaps this story will inspire you to be a little bit more adventurous in your Volvo and your karaoke. A woman just celebrated her 100th birthday by going skydiving. And where is she from?
1: I don't know how things work in Florida, which from your description sounds like a colorful lawless swamp.
0: (laughs) Oh, very nice. Now let's uh, hear how and why 100-year-old Raymond Sullivan went skydiving.
4: We'll talk about a sky high celebration celebrating her 100th birthday with skydiving. Raymond Sullivan jumps out of a plane today at Skydive Sebastian. Raymond was a nurse in World War II who served on the front line.
2: I have never done it. And I've done a lot of things in a hundred years, so I thought I must do it while I can. It's, it's scary. scary. I can't say it. Scary. Would you do it again? No. no. No? One
1: and done? Yes. Yeah?
4: Most wouldn't do it once. Bravo to her. My goodness. After her skydive, she celebrated her birthday at the castle in Fort Pierce with friends and family. Most happy birthday to you, my goodness.
0: Wow, that's cool. my goodness, that is cool. Right, that's more adventurous than me and you and BK Mm -hmm. and everybody. So, well done, well done, and happy birthday to you.
1: This is The Shift Podcast.
0: Uh, if we ever got feedback about one particular person that we put on the shift, I would say this guy's in the top of all of that list. His name's Dan McTagg. He's a former Liberal MP out of uh, Ontario, and he is president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. And um, and he's here back with us. I talked him into it. He owed me a favor. So here he is. Hey, Dan. <laughs>
4: Good to be here, Shane.
0: <laughs> it's great to see you. Um, I, um, I just thought, I, well, to be honest, I... I kind of miss chatting with you. And then I I saw Mm -hmm. the uh, prices in Vancouver over the weekend of gasoline and diesel. And I went, okay, well, there's my evidence call, Dan. So um, (laughs) it's not really well thought out plan here, Dan, other than the fact that we need an update. We need to know what we're in for this week. And, um, you know, what used to be, I drive a diesel SUV and I know most, you know, truckers and workers are in much bigger vehicles than that. So the cost impact is way higher. A tank of gas for me, if I were to fill up in Vancouver, uh, excuse me, a tank of diesel for me, if I were to fill up in Vancouver, used to be about 85 or $90, I could always go, you know what it was? The pre-approval on the pump. I could always do it for a hundred bucks and never have to do it more than a hundred dollars based on my car right now. um, That diesel is a $200 fill. So based on Vancouver. So, um, Tell me what's going on.
4: Diesel's up uh, almost 2.2 compared to last year. Natural gas up 2.8 since last year. Gasoline up about uh, 75 cents a liter, or roughly about 35, 40%. uh, And it's not slowing down. Uh, Look, we have uh, shortages of everything, but this is kind of where you have this situation where oil had been a big concern of mine going back over a year. But... Uh, the effect of years of uh, ESG, uh, you know, disinvestment by banks, financial institutions. Call them what they were, woke capitalists. No, we're not going to invest in fossil fuels, and we're going to shame those that do get involved in its uh, in its uh, investment and its production. Um, well, you reap what you sow. These companies are simply saying, no, we're not producing anymore. We'll pay debt. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll have we'll we'll continue to hold on to what we have, but we're not putting a plug nickel, and we're not going to because you won't lend us money. We're simply going to save the money we're having, and so they're they're taking a, a sort of a uh, you know uh, take a pound sand attitude. I'd like to say something else, which just comes to mind much easier than that. Um, and as a result, we have a shortfall of oil production and other petroleum products compared to demand. Now, along comes Vladimir Putin. Who knows how vulnerable Europe is? Who knows that uh, he's got them on their knees because of their, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of wokeism and thinking they could simply wish natural gas away not produce enough of their own or look at alternatives and tut-tut the world even at various, uh, uh, you know, various events that have taken place in these, uh, you know, uh, conference of uh, the parties uh, on climate change, you know, whether it's Glasgow or whether it's Copenhagen or whether it's, you know, take your pick always trying to find trendy ways to shut down oil and gas, and now it's come back to bite them right in the backside because now they have become vulnerable, Uh, the plaything of uh, Vladimir Putin, and he knows it. Now, he's got the eighth largest reserves in the world. Canada has the third. What's the difference between the two countries? They weren't afraid of building their stuff up. They don't tolerate protests uh, in that country for obvious reasons, uh, but Canada does, and as a result, we can't help the world wean itself off of vladimir putin's products uh mm-hmm. we find ourselves in a situation where the world has become less secure because of our you know fanaticism over climate and extremism so and i hate to put it that way because i know that some of these people are well-intentioned mm-hmm. and i think people who supported this shame were also well-intentioned
0: yeah well and there's all kinds of none people of them out there that the
4: consequence none of them mm-hmm. understood the, the real price
0: yeah, well, I just want to say that there's an awful lot of people that believe we can be more responsible, and we've been reckless with the environment, and and those people are perfectly okay. Like, I mean, it's okay to want more and want better. I mean, that's fine. We need to well,
4: look. Uh, our oil sector has changed dramatically. There's a time and place where it was it was dirty. It, mm-hmm. it didn't care. You mm-hmm. know, the cleanups; those are issues. Those are legacies that they have to deal with. Are they doing better? Yes. Have they learned? I think so. Uh, but. To say that you will not need their product is absolute lunacy. Mm-hmm. The world needs more oil, not less. And the lo- the world is not going to make this great transition without a country like Canada that has proven itself capable of making that dramatic transition away from dirty to much cleaner and with a diversity of energy to be able to step up the plate and say, we're going to provide Europe through our uh, you know Energy East pipeline 800,000 barrels it desperately needs. And we're going to provide another 800 to 1.7 million barrels to Asia, which is also in a very similar position, so they don't have to rely on OPEC Russia at all. Look, it's up to Canadians now to, to recognize. We know you want to stop the climate from changing, but you're not going to be doing it by basically destroying perhaps the most important resource we have known to civilization, and which if properly used, Uh, can do enormous good at maintaining our prosperity while responding to our sustainable obligations.
0: I always say the same thing over and over again, getting boring. Oil yeah. is not gasoline. Gasoline is not distinctly different from oil. Oil is uh, distinctly different from gasoline. Gasoline is distinctly different from oil. I mean, we're having this conversation surrounded by all kinds of products that are made from petroleum products. I think yeah. that that matters. Um, lost opportunity is is missed and is in front of us now for a couple of things. We're not going to get into the politics of it uh, here today. Uh, keeping in mind, was it foreign affairs minister? That's what your old gig was, right? Is that what you did?
4: Yeah, well, I was uh, yeah. responsible for canes abroad. Yeah, so I wanted to... Yeah. yeah. And I just
0: wanted to, um, I just wanted to know that just so he's, uh, Dan's not out of his lane when he talks about international politics. It's been part of his world. Hell no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we have lost opportunity here. I mean, we have lost opportunity in all kinds of ways. And that is over the last bunch of years. I mean, the amount of reckless spending, uh, in the last five, six years, uh, of running deficits when we didn't need to, um, has really sort of come to roost with the pandemic and then this war because these are the times where you're gonna need to spend more money and uh, it's really nice to save up with the other times, right? I mean, if we were talking about our house budgets, me and you, Dan, we would say the exact same thing. Hey, you know what? I uh, made a little money last year, put a little bit away, and and uh, and then this year it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I, uh, I broke my leg. I couldn't work as much or whatever, right? Like that's what we do. Uh, apparently not for the government too. So lost opportunity of where we could be to provide and deliver is in front of us right now. Okay, let's talk. Sp- I think that I'm going to. I'm going to hook this for later in the conversation. I think I have the best example of hypocrisy around this that we've ever come up with. And I'm going to wait for that um, in just one second. Let's talk specifically about the prices. Is that okay? Because that's really where it hits. Everybody is right in the pocket. What are we looking at? What are we seeing? And I've also started to see conversation about people are asking in BC that legitimately don't know naive, perhaps why is the price of ours a dollar more than it is for theirs? Um, And they're starting to ask the question, which is good. So what are we looking at?
4: Well, look, if we're we're just talking BC alone at 222.9. Last week at about 204.9. The increase has to do with the increase in uh, gasoline futures. You pointed out gasoline, oil, oil is not gasoline. In the winter, they tend to follow very closely in terms of price. But during the summer, they become detached because more people take to the roads and the demand for gasoline goes up. Gasoline, of course, is also being... Uh, excluded, if you will, because the world is trying to produce a lot more diesel. We have a major uh, historical shortage, diesel. Now, diesel isn't just for trucks and trains. It's also used for jets. It's also used for home heating. It's also used in manufacturing. It's even used in cases uh, where farmers are familiar with, it, with uh, uh, you know, with uh, urea. So, Fertil- that, yeah, Fertilizer, synthetic. yeah. Yeah, so the point
0: to oh, keep, do keep in mind... Oh, you know one thing I want to yeah. interrupt. Do you know one thing else sure. diesel is really used for? War.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the look, it's the workhorse of the global economy, like it or not. And to produce more of it, they have to start to figure out ways to. Sh- Close, shut down or to repurpose the gasoline production where they can't can't just turn on switch and suddenly produce a lot more diesel from a refinery that usually has a three to one or whatever for every barrel of oil you produce three barrels of gasoline for every four barrels of of, uh, oil you produce three of gasoline uh, two of uh, other products and one of diesel you can't turn that around that easily but they will try and they'll do so by sacrificing gasoline. That's why prices have gone up across Canada. Uh, at the same time, we've seen a significant in- decrease in the value of the Canadian dollar. That's important because we price all of our gasoline, whether it's made here or not, in U.S. terms. Same for diesel. Same for food. Same for minerals. Same for lumber. Take your pick. All commodities priced in U.S. terms. We didn't. Ha- we don't no longer have the status of the petrodollar because we don't have petroleum to offer the rest of the world. What we have is pretty much determined already. We sell. Uh, through, uh, uh, 3.465 million barrels of oil a day, almost all of it to the United States. Uh, our capacity could be triple that if we had to, but we don't have the takeaway capacity. So that's what's costing you and I an additional 30 cents a liter. Then we have, of course, carbon taxes that have been levied. And we have, except for Alberta, of course, where there has actually been a decrease of 13 cents plus GST. So that's works out to about 14 and a half, 14 cents a liter. Uh, the rest of the country has seen a dramatic increase. I'm speaking here from Toronto Oakville 199.9 so just a hair under two you know uh, two dollars a litre Quebec above two dollars a litre uh, Maritimes mostly uh, almost at a dollar 90 to two dollars a litre with Newfoundland leading so across the country prices are high and they're going to go higher uh, likely about another 10 to 15 cents a litre between now and, and Memorial Day United States uh, unofficial kickoff to the summer driving season and uh, our May 24 4 weekend which happens a week earlier
0: so um, uh, I, I wanted to acknowledge I was driving with my son who has to pay for his own gas I pay for his gas for you know school and trips he does for me and helping his sister out and when he goes to hockey and all of those things we give him gas for that but when he wants to go cruise with his buddies that yeah. parts on him yeah. and um, we were looking at he was complaining about the price of gas as we drove by a sign together and I said hey man it wasn't very long ago that they actually just added the room for the extra digit right like this is how fast it's changed it was only like there was only four digits on the sign for a really long time and then there was an awful lot that had to turn their signs off until they could get the sign guy to come and put on room for the one and which is now the two um and that's actually got some some businesses in a bit of a pickle because they only put room for the one not the two the shape of the two now I, i promised this question to bounce this off people Uh, bounce this off you Dan and to uh, help everyone understand one of the biggest hypocrisies that is going on in this conversation about green transitions and all this stuff okay you ready for it well we've talked a lot about homes prices of homes (laughs) you know we've talked about all those things you and I and um the one of the biggest things in the world is and I'm curious to know the stat and maybe you can find it out because you have access to some stuff here um people talk about fossil fuels heating homes uh Driving our cars, all of this stuff. You want to know that what I see hasn't changed if you look on any website of a home builder? Natural gas fireplaces.
4: Yeah, hasn't changed in terms of price. Just they're
0: going into every house
4: oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and we're
0: going in more often. You've got one in yeah, the living totally. room. You can have one in your bedroom, yeah. by the way, in all the show homes that you see everywhere and all the lotto show homes and all the things, by the way, you can have one by your bathtub. You can put yeah. it in anywhere. So our vanity hasn't changed, right? Like we, we've got this notion and I, I think this proves beyond reasonable doubt that the notion about what's best when it comes to oil and gas Uh, is just a notion that is so incomplete that we haven't even connected the dots that our vanity about having a pretty fireplace by our bathtub is exactly what many people are changing. And here's the thing. There are people that I know that have built brand new houses that drive electric cars that added natural gas furnaces to their houses. (laughs) And I think that to me, that is a great example of the disconnect between the story that everyone's been told about, about how we get there, because the fight's not about being more responsible for the world. The, the yep. fight is about how do we get there? And yet people will choose people I know are choosing to drive an electric car and building new houses with natural gas fireplaces and adding them in. That's mind blowing to me.
4: Yeah, and it, uh, it does demonstrate the extent to which we're completely uh, in the belief, disbelief, if you will, that uh, we can drive an EV as a metaphor for our clean life, uh, when in fact that EV itself is probably more damaging to the environment and to the very things that we think it it, uh, it provides, much less the hypocrisy of the house. So, I mean, I can't see a lot of people spending $100,000 to put in a furnace, uh, rather a fireplace, and to, to, to burn wood. Not that uh, that isn't a bad idea, uh, but the cost of building materials as such. But, yeah, natural gas, simple to put in. As long as you've got ventilation on the other side, you're, you're, uh, you're safe, you're good. That's and it's cheaper electricity.
0: Sure pretty. Right. That's the thing. It sure is pretty, and um, we love <laughs> to have them. Um, insurance companies also play a part with, uh, wood burning fireplaces and insurance rates. That's a whole other conversation we could probably get ourselves into Dan. Um, absolutely. Um, update for the week this week. Can we look forward just a little bit? I know you mentioned in our last uh, little piece of the chat there, what we're looking for, but really what are we looking forward to in the next bunch of days? What are we forecasting these things to go as high as? Cause typically this time of year is the conversation is about how expensive is it going to be to drive your RV three hours? So uh, what are we
4: looking at? Five cent increase week on week. So five cents this week, five cents the next week. Now, something like uh, Vladimir Putin making a decision to suddenly walk away from Ukraine, and he's done his job. I'm not sure we'll do that. Uh, Victory day on you know, May 9th, uh, which I guess is coming up. Um, but short of that, I think we're into a very long a very painful uh, and very progressive uh, step towards even higher prices. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a national number. Uh, BC 250 for Vancouver. I wouldn't be surprised to see 215, 220 for the rest of BC, 180 for Alberta, uh, 190 for Saskatchewan, Manitoba, 220 for Ontario. 2:30 for Quebec and for the Maritimes, depending on how their carbon taxes are applied and the games they play, which their regulators do, um, probably about 2:15, 2:20, Uh, all across the country. Though I think uh, these prices are going to remain very, very high for the foreseeable future, and if they stay long enough, well, you got the federal government adding, uh, you know, clean fuel standard in July of 2023. You got them increasing carbon taxes once again in April of next year. Sounds like a long way off, but don't see a scenario where there's going to be a lot of relief. I think there's a greater chance, Shane, uh, of a global recession caused by this uh, than, uh, than the likelihood that they'll come down any other way.
0: How wildly out of scope are we with the rest of the world for gas, gasoline prices?
4: Well, I think we're a lot better than uh, European nations who are suffering tremendously. Three dollars you know, a liter electricity double the prices, natural gas four times the prices um but we're nowhere near the americans we're nowhere near a lot of other we've always prided ourselves saying oh it doesn't matter gas you know gasoline is cheap relative to the rest of the world It's a, it's a really dumb comparison think about it the nation that has you know the third largest provable reserves in the world uh, making that kind of a statement uh, is uh, just really more of a, an, a you know an attempt by some to say let's just continue to fleece people with ever higher taxes but you don't have to do that and there's um uh, there's a there's a reason why you don't have to worry about higher taxes on uh, on, on fuel. And that's continue to block pipelines, continue to divest, continue to put regulations on your number one economic engine. You'll see how long it'll be before not just high prices hit, but you now have an inflationary spiral, an inflationary wildfire that uh, not even the Bank of Canada can put out. And that's where I think we are right now.
0: I always like to take a topic and translate it to a completely different topic for clarity Mm -hmm. imagine this imagine jamaica blocked off all the beaches and said no more beaches we're not opening up any more beaches you've got enough beach right now you're not allowed to go to any of the other beach (laughs) and then wondering why the tourism industry has been crushed
4: yep at their own yes these are self-inflicted pain very good analogy
0: Dan McTagg, Canadians for Affordable Energy. Thank you very much for being here, man.
4: My pleasure, Shane. Have have a great night. Thanks for having me again, my friend.
1: This is The Shift Podcast.
0: Let's dig into the mind of uh, the millennial. Ryan had a very interesting weekend this weekend. I look forward to hearing what's on the millennial's brain.
3: The millennial.
1: and here he is oh hello uh you want to hear about my my weekend the the millennial got a got a second tattoo this weekend Oh, yeah. that's what happened my weekend wow, yeah. and it, uh guys it hurt a lot <laughs> the did first it? one did not it hurt that at all really? and uh it's funny because the artist who who did this one knows that other artist and I showed it to her and she went, did that take him 45 minutes? And I went, it took him exactly 45 minutes. And she went, I'm sorry, this is not going to be 45 minutes. Oh, really? Was that <laughs> was, a compliment or was that a... No, it was, I think it was, he, he just works. The, the other artist worked very fast and was kind of like a machine at pumping out tattoos. And and this one, the level of detail and intricacy in every inch of it is 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 very very much high caliber and that translated to three hours of of tiny needle stabbing me millions of times um however the end product nice is incredible it, eh? yeah that's how uh, I, it is incredible yeah uh it is
0: incredible and i don't know when you want it, if you want it because we've got some conversations tomorrow about this it's up yes. to you when you show it but um i'm looking tonight. forward to talking yep. about it
1: yeah yeah i'll post it this morning i'll post it up on the facebook so we have some time to, so people sure can to get their thoughts here. in yep on the facebook page and then tomorrow we'll have a, a greater chat about the tattoos however i am very happy with it and the healing process uh has been really good so far actually uh so at least there's that um but we'll see it's gonna itch a lot mm-hmm. a lot but that's okay, good because it looks great looks really that's good buddy yeah i appreciate yeah. that yeah yeah uh Okay, so with the millennial, uh, man, many millennials were excited today. Uh, huge announcement, or uh, yesterday, I should say, on Sunday, big announcement uh, for nerds, uh, uh, old and old and young alike. Uh, so let's go back in time, because uh, it's a time machine, uh, to a chapter <laughs> in my nerdiness from a long time ago. Uh, I used to be obsessed with one of the oldest and most important television shows of all time, Uh it's uh, it's Doctor Who. This uh, this this show, man. I, oof, I was obsessed. I was such a nerd. You think I'm nerdy now? Like Doctor Who, Ryan is peak nerdy Ryan. And I think if you've ever watched Doctor Who, uh, you know what it means. Like it's an objectively, it's such a geeky show, but it's delightful. It's been on since the 1960s. It is one of the BBC's most important uh, shows, Uh, and I think it's a really special TV show. I haven't watched it since I was in high school, Uh, but there is something special about it. It's a show about an alien who travels across time with a human companion, and they encounter random Mysteries and adventures, and over the years, it's gone from campy and silly, you know, the Daleks and the exterminate, uh, to really serious, borderline horror show level of of, uh, of, of content. Uh, and it was a really special show in my for me in my youth, and I, I kind of lost touch with it. Uh, but one of the things that has not changed is the hype around the new Doctor. Now, if you're unfamiliar with how the show works, the character of the Doctor has been played by 14 actors since the show was on in the 60s. And the reason that it's the same character is that this the race that he is from, or he or they, I should say, they are resurrected every, I believe, seven years, and they come back as something completely random. And by completely random, nine times out of ten, it's been just a white British dude, which is what it was. Uh, But uh, on the 13th Doctor... We had a woman come on, which was great. It was a refreshing take, um, but the show has definitely declined in recent years. The writing was has been frankly bad, and I feel like the actors who play the doctors I just haven't. The characters they try to portray have not matched up with the way the showrunners have tried to put the forward the content. And it seems like with this new doctor, because there was the new doctor actor was announced on Sunday. It seems like they're trying to completely reinvent the show, and I'm absolutely all for it. We do have a new doctor. He is the star uh, of, uh, of Sex Education on Netflix, which is a fantastic show. If you have never seen it, and I, I think you'd, you'd really like it, Shane. It's fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Uh, really, really worth watching it. Um, his name is Shuti Gatwa. And uh, he kills it. He plays uh, Eric Ifyong on uh, on on Sex Education. He won the BAFTA for Best Actor in 2020, and uh, he's won various other nominations for BAFTAs and other British awards. And uh, he is the first person who was not born in the UK to play the Doctor. He's also the first Black person to ever play the Doctor, uh, and he's young he's youthful and i think it's going to be a completely new take on the show and people are excited and um you can hear him try to contain his excitement this is him talking about his casting at the baftas last
4: night uh i feel really happy that i can now talk about it because i got cast in february (laughs) and i've been keeping it a secret since then and so it's nice to finally breathe um but like also really nervous it's it's An incredibly iconic role and an incredibly iconic show. And I just hope I do it justice. Um, I'm following some very, very big footsteps. And so I'm just hoping that I fill them up. Um, What will I bring to the role? I don't know. Fabulousness. (laughs) Russell's writing. I'm going to try to do Russell's writing justice. And I think that's the real start. It's, I mean, I,
1: I think about the pressure being like my age and walking into the shoes of one of the most famous characters and in, in television history, it, the pressure is intense, but I think he's really excited about the idea and the role. And honestly, Dr. Who, the, the ratings have declined quite a bit in recent years. And I remember in the 20, 2013, 2014, 2012, uh, Matt Smith and my favorite doctor, uh, who was um, uh, David Tennant, the, 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 pop culture craze around Dr. Who was spread into North America again because it felt like you were watching a fan of the show play the character and it was just so wholesome and so heartfelt and you really connected with the character and I think they've kind of lost that over the past two different actors who have played them and so I think it's a fresh take and and the world is better when there's a nerdy accessible show that anybody can watch like Doctor Who and um, it's an institution I mean think about it there are people right now listening to this show who are my age who grew grew up watching Doctor Who. And there are people right now listening to this show who are 40 years older than me that grew up watching Doctor Who. It's the same show. It's changed lots over the years. And I love the idea that when I'm in my 50s and 60s, this show will still be on television and it will look completely different from how it was when I grew up watching it. I think that's one of the most unique and exciting things about this show and uh, I'm I'm really hoping that maybe this turns it around. I did go back and watch a couple episodes today after hearing this announcement, first time in a long mm-hmm. time. And uh, cool. it's a great show, and I'm very I'm I'm excited about it. It's cool. I like it. It's uh, I've never really watched it to be honest. It was never really my thing. So
0: I'm you're making me curious. Yeah. It's all right.
1: It's uh, I'd recommend starting with David Tennant's show. That one has the most uh, varied episodes. Lots of fun, lighthearted ones, and also some pretty spooky ones. Uh, and, um, my favorite episode of all time is Matt Smith's doctor. He, uh, travels back in time and meets Vincent van Gogh, the painter and Vincent committed suicide. And, and it's a tragic story in the end of that episode, he takes Vincent into the future and shows him his museum and how much people appreciate his art. And it is almost impossible not to cry at that episode. It is a very special piece of TV. Yeah, So it's worth watching. And even if you're a little bit nerdy. I think you'll like it. It's a lot of fun regardless. So um, there you go. Good news from the nerdy world. Um, and I love this text from Cat and Gimli. I used to watch Doctor Who from behind the couch, especially when the Daleks were on. Yeah, there's a couple episodes like that. That's uh, amazing. Well, then why are you telling so me awesome. I would like it if it's so scary? Not all the episodes are scary. There's a couple of them. There's ones, with. they're called the Weeping Angels. They're statues that only move. When you're not looking at them, but they'll follow you forever. Oh, oh see, that, that just gave crazy. me a shiver. I yeah. don't want to watch I would, this That's show. the worst one. I'm, that's no, the man, scariest one. I'm too one, big dude. of a baby for this stuff. <laughs> I can't do that. I think you could. I think you could do it. Um, okay, let's... Uh, I really wanted to touch on this story. So um, changing gears completely. Uh, you know, I've grown up hearing the term carbon footprint a lot. I've heard that term for many a year. And the idea that it is my personal responsibility to limit my impact on the environment, which I think inherently is not a bad idea, but that label carbon footprint was created by BP was created by old companies that try to, you know, shift the blame a little bit. And what I like more is not so much carbon footprint, but sustainability. How can I live my life in a way that's more sustainable for the environment is, you know, recycling more composting more, that kind of thing. And when we talk about climate change, especially electric cars and and transitioning to that, we're at this point now where we're we're rushing. We really are rushing to swap, ditch the fossil fuels, ditch all of that and get into the electric world. And the reality is we're just not ready. We're just really not ready there. It's going to happen sometime. And I just don't think it's going to happen within the next 10 or 15 years. I'd be shocked if it did. So I think we're going to get to this point where we're going to have to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, okay, this isn't quite working. But as we try to get to that point, can we make the stuff we use now more sustainable? Can we make cars more efficient? Yes, obviously. Hybrids. I mean, I look at my, 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 an old friend of the family, he used, he drives and restores old Cadillacs and he would literally carry a giant jerry can. In the back of the trunk, because the car would run out of gas before you got from one end of Calgary to the other, and now these now cars that are twice the size of them can go for three times as longer. But what about planes? What about aircraft? Can aircraft be as efficient as cars? We know about uh, there's. You know, people are trying to make electric planes, but I mean, we all we need jet fuel and jet fuel is very rough on the environment. But I saw this story out of Edmonton. I think it's really exciting. And I think this is the kind of positive climate change uh, activism story that everybody can get down with. So this plane landed at Edmonton's International Airport on Sunday. There's nothing special about this plane. This is the same plane that you would probably fly on if you were flying to Amsterdam, which is where this plane came from. But the difference was that there were steps taken, meticulous steps taken to make that specific flight one of the greenest ever for an international carrier. This is a really interesting story. It comes from uh, Sarah Comadina and Global Edmonton.
3: Franz Husman has been a KLM pilot for more than 25 years. That's in our DNA. You start as a pilot doing that, choose the optimum speed, altitudes, r- routes. That efficiency was taken to the next level this weekend as the company takes part in a sustainable flight challenge. It's a friendly competition between 16 airlines to create the most energy efficient flight possible. We basically flew the most perfect route, most optimum route from Amsterdam to Edmonton. There was a remote vehicle
4: that took us out to the taxiway. There was all kinds of sustainability initiatives uh, on the flight. So as an example, um, there was the weight of, of some of the utensils and other things on the plane. They were uh, lighter.
3: But the biggest change is using sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF, a biofuel made from feedstocks. Less emissions, but much more expensive than typical jet fuel.
4: We made a record by having the largest amount of sustainable aviation fuel ever on a long haul commercial flight.
3: The aircraft even carried 2% less fuel than usual. Despite having 76 more passengers than normal, KLM says there was 26% less CO2 emissions per passenger.
4: The overall CO2 emissions are basically much less, if not close to zero. So by using this different type of fuel, our CO2 footprint is much lower.
3: It took a team to get here, but it was worth it. KLM president Peter Elber says this was the company's greenest long-haul commercial flight ever.
4: Our ambition here today was to demonstrate where we could go to, to have a point on the horizon, what we could achieve.
3: The hope is this is only the beginning of where green energy can take the aviation industry. Sarah Comedina, Global News.
1: That's the kind of stuff I want to celebrate. Almost zero sacrifices were made to make that plane as efficient as possible. The the person sitting on that aircraft, on that flight, did not have a massive impact to their experience. And that flight was more efficient. Like That's the kind of stuff we need to be shooting for right now as we try to figure out how we're going to do this big energy transition. So I thought that was really cool.